So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media? Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. It's Tuesday, June 20th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Right Report, your daily news podcast. I've got four briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was in China over the weekend, although he didn't accomplish very much. We'll talk about that, plus a bizarre statement from the White House on the Chinese spy balloon saga. Second, America's obesity crisis is about to get worse, at least for the U.S. Army. That's coming up. Third, Islamic terrorists just struck the African country of Uganda. We'll talk about the important implications of that attack for us here in America. And it has to do, folks, with dirty green energy. Fourth, European countries are blocking or restricting certain medicines for people who believe that they are transgender. I'll touch on that, plus why those policies in Europe are so different from those here in America. Later, we close out the podcast with a question from Cheryl in Kansas about whether presidents can declassify nuclear secrets, because if not, she fears that former President Donald Trump might be in trouble. I'll answer that question a little bit later. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. The U.S. Secretary of State was in China over the weekend meeting with senior leaders there, including China's president, President Xi. Last Thursday, I shared with you that the expectations for this meeting were pretty low, The White House said at the time, quote, we're not going to Beijing with the intent of having some sort of breakthrough or transformation, end quote. Well, they were right, except that, uh, well, observers are saying that it was actually worse than they expected. And that's because the primary goal for the White House was to reestablish an emergency line of communication between the two nations' militaries. The hope, of course, was and is to avoid an accident or, God forbid, a nuclear conflict. Well, regrettably, President Xi turned that proposal down in no uncertain terms. And as Newsweek is reporting this morning, the manner and the words used by uh, President Xi and his rejection, well, those are seen inside China as a personal blow to both Mr. Biden and his Secretary of State. Meanwhile, the White House had also hoped to make progress on a second issue, that is getting China to clamp down on its support for Mexican drug cartels. As listeners know, Chinese pharmaceutical companies partner with cartels by providing them with chemical precursors, all to make that fentanyl stuff. And then those pills that are created with the chemical precursors then flood into the United States. In fact, I briefed you on that last Thursday after the CDC announced that drug overdoses, largely from fentanyl, have killed more than 109,000 Americans in just the past 12 months. Well, unfortunately, no progress was made on this drug issue either with China. Well, actually, to be accurate, the communists in Beijing are saying that they have agreed to explore the possibility of setting up a committee to discuss the issue. 
Well, to recap then, ladies and gentlemen, America had two big asks over the weekend of China on, of course, drugs and military-related matters. And in both cases, Beijing declined to assist. Which then begs the question, what exactly was accomplished during this trip? Well, Secretary Blinken said that he and the communists in Beijing had a robust conversation about a, a range of global issues, including North Korea, Ukraine, and human rights. But when Secretary Blinken was pressed for what results exactly came on those specific issues, well, he had nothing uh, specific to offer, only that parts of the talks were constructive, while other parts showed that, well, there is still some work to do. Meanwhile, the Chinese are being equally vague this morning, as the French media outlet AFP is reporting. President Xi said that, quote, the two sides have made progress and reached agreement on some specific issues, end quote. However, like Secretary Blinken, he offered no concrete examples. Now, perhaps what Xi is re uh, responding to here, this progress, was about Taiwan. Secretary Blinken said over the weekend that the United States does not support Taiwan's independence. And that was a pretty big victory for President Xi and a change of rhetoric from the White House. And that's because last September, Mr. Biden said of this issue, quote, Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. That is their decision, end quote. Well, that absolutely caused an uproar. China got very cranky. Biden's staff at the time scrambled and tried to clarify but then Biden said largely the same thing twice more. In fact, as CNN reported, Mr. Biden has offered up either confusing or contradictory statements on multiple occasions about what exactly the U.S. will or won't do regarding Taiwan's independence. All right, one last thing to mention. As Secretary Blinken was in China over the weekend, Mr. Joe Biden himself was interviewed about this trip, specifically about the fact that it was actually delayed from last February. And it was delayed because Beijing, as many of us know and remember, they floated a spy balloon across America. And that, at that point, ladies and gentlemen, of course, Secretary Blinken's planned trip to Beijing was canceled. Well, when Mr. Biden was asked about that, he said, well, he hopes that his Secretary of State was able to patch things up. But then he said this about the spy balloon saga. And by the way, this is reported by both NBC News and Fox News. Here's the quote. I don't think that China's leadership knew where it was, the balloon, uh, knew what was in it and what was going on. I think it was more embarrassing than it was intentional, end quote. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a bizarre thing to say. As reported by the New York Times, amongst other media outlets, China's spy balloon program has been monitored for years by the U.S. intelligence community. It is operated by the Chinese uh, military and the government, of course, and they have sent numerous spy balloons all around the world. In fact, Secretary Blinken himself said as much back in February when he was sharing intel with dozens of nations around the globe, because as he said at the time, quote, the United States is not the only target of this broader spy balloon program. It has violated the sovereignty of countries across five continents, end quote. Well, yesterday, Secretary Blinken had quite a bit of, well, the change of heart, much like Mr. Biden, saying, quote, that chapter of the spy balloon issue should be closed, end quote. So those are the facts and data out of Washington, D.C. and Beijing this morning. And for my analysis and opinion, what I'd like to do is, 
well, slide Biden out of the White House for just a moment and put you in. And this is how I would encourage you to process what just happened with our Secretary of State if you were in the Oval Office, right? China got exactly what it wanted, and we got nothing, right? We gave them assurances, public assurances, on Taiwan that we do not and we will not acknowledge an independent Taiwan. In return, Beijing gave us a promise to study the possibility of a committee that might address China's culpability in killing 109,000 plus Americans via this fentanyl drug overdose stuff, right? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what the world sees. They see weakness that we gave and we received very little back. And I tell you this as a former CIA officer who watched the world react behind the scenes via human sources or things like SIGINT, captured emails and phone calls, right? After these kinds of meetings, that's what we looked at to see what the response globally might be. And these leaders around the world were trying to figure out which horsed back in this global competition. And here's the blunt truth, right? In this last weekend's horse race, we sort of looked like a, a, a horse that'd be, well, sent to a glue factory, right? We looked weak and pathetic. We looked like a, a shell of the, the mighty America that we once were. Now, that doesn't mean it's true, but that is what the world saw. Okay, let me slide you out of the Oval Office, which, thank you for your service, and put Biden back in. And I tell you, I wish I could tell the entire country what I'm about to say on the national TV. Right? Biden's statement over the weekend about the spy balloon saga, it's just bonkers. right? He is apologizing on behalf of Beijing for their spy balloon program saying that they probably didn't even know anything about the, the whole deal when it came over and what was inside, right? Never mind the fact that his entire intel community has told him otherwise. And never mind the fact that his secretary of state was sharing this intelligence and our knowledge of the spy balloon program with dozens of countries around the world just a few months back. So I don't know what's going on this morning regarding this uh, apology that Biden offered for China's spy balloon program, but I do know this. <clears throat> a poll that came out just two months ago from the Trafalgar Group showed that 72% of America's independents believe that Joe Biden is compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. Meanwhile, 85% of Republicans believe the same. I'll let you decide this morning if you agree with them. With that, let's move on to our second brief of the morning, starting with something that you might not know. Obesity rates in the U.S. military are skyrocketing. In fact, during the COVID lockdowns, the U.S. Army reported nearly 10,000 active duty soldiers went from fit to, well, fat. Similar increases were seen in the U.S. Navy and Marine Corps, too, by the way. Overall, the Pentagon says that about 20% of America's soldiers, sailors, Marines, and airmen are, in fact, obese. And that level of obesity, by the way, costs the Pentagon $1.5 billion annually in obesity-related health care costs. Well, unfortunately, those numbers are likely to get worse. So here is that news, as reported over the weekend by CNN. And to understand this news, folks, you have to understand the tape test. All right, so here's how it works. If you are a soldier and your body mass index does not match otherwise healthy numbers, you get measured with a tape. 
Men have their necks and stomachs measured. Women have their necks, waists, and hips measured. And if those measurements are, well, out of whack, then you either have to prove your fitness through something called a combat fitness test. That's got about six various exercises to it. Or you go to, uh, well, it's, it's known as belly boot camp, which is delicately called the Army Body Composition Program. And once in that program, the belly boot camp, you have six months to either lose the weight or you could lose your job. Well, things are changing from those rules, ladies and gentlemen. First, that tape test will now only measure around the navel or the stomach for both men and women, no necks or hips. And the reason for that is the CDC and other health professionals have a lot of data showing that belly fat results in a host of medical problems, which in this case would or could prevent deployment. Now, there is a little bit of wiggle room on this new set of rules. Soldiers have a, well, Hail Mary option of sorts, requesting an x-ray or other tests if they fail the BMI, the measuring tape test, plus the fitness test, and they fail out of that belly boot camp. But regardless, ladies and gentlemen, here's the key takeaway. With these new rules, the U.S. Army expects an additional 34% of its soldiers will fail these obesity standards. Let me just say that again. One-third of our army will fail the obesity test based on these new standards. All right, that seems very relevant as we face the prospect of a, of a war in Europe or with China, certainly. Regardless, if you are in the army this morning and feeling a little bit anxious, <clears throat> one bit of hope for you. You do have a bit of time. The new rule kicks in next year. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. Enjoy the following messages from our sponsoring partners with one quick reminder, folks. If you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or a service, then I don't endorse it. Instead, it's a message coming from your podcast platform to you based on who they think you are. We'll be right back. Folks, there are two things that I speak a lot about on The Right Report. First, we live in a troubled world especially with China and the prospect of war with Beijing. Second, I talk about America's obesity crisis and how important it is to find ways to exercise and eat well. Thankfully, I've got a solution for both. ArcSeedKits.com, a provider of high-quality heirloom seeds that give you food security and a healthy body. Now, some of you have asked me, Brian, why should I pay a premium for heirloom seeds when I can buy cheaper stuff from online outlets or big box stores? Well, Arc Seed Kits give you the type of seeds that our grandparents had, right? You can save seeds from each year's garden crop and replant them year after year. Plus, Arc Seed Kits have all of the variety you need, folks. Listen to this. Six types of beans, four types of squash, seven tomatoes, two corn, two peas. Woo! Don't even get me started on the root crops, like beets and rutabaga and carrots. So all in all, we're talking about 65 varieties of fruits and vegetables. And here's the best part. These seeds come from a family-owned farm in northern Michigan. No mystery seeds that you might get from an online or big box store. So do yourself a favor and buy the all-in-one seed kit. Go to arcseedkits.com. That's arc, like Noah's Ark, arcseedkits.com. Enter right as a promo code, that is W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get 10% off your order. 
So be prepared and invest in food security. Go to arcseedkits.com today. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards international news with a very important and sober update out of the African country of Uganda. Islamic terrorists hit a Ugandan secondary school late on Friday, killing 41 students, many of whom were killed as they were trapped inside their dormitories, which the Islamic radicals set on fire. So here is what happened first, though, starting with a brief reminder of why this country and this region are so important. We actually spoke of it on Friday when we discussed Uganda and an oil project along the border with Congo. Now, if you missed that report, definitely go back when we are done today and listen to it. But to recap, there is a major oil project under construction at Uganda's Lake Albert. When it becomes fully functional and operational, it'll bring upwards of $2 billion annually to the Ugandan government. And as I advised you, all that new cash will probably be used to fund warfare in the region. And as a fact, I'll remind you in just a couple of minutes, that is very bad news for us. And that's because this region is home to minerals like copper and cobalt, which are, of course, very critical to the so-called green energy revolution. But before we get into those details, folks, let's talk about what happened on Friday. Islamic radicals attacked a secondary school in western Uganda, just one mile from the border with the Congo. They set afire the girls' and boys' dormitories with some children trying to take cover, waiting inside those dormitories, but sadly, they were burned alive. Other children tried to escape, but the terrorists were outside those buildings, and they shot the children, or they used machetes as they came out. As reported uh, by multiple press outlets in the United Kingdom, France, and the United States, we know who did this. It's an Islamic militia called the Allied Democratic Forces, or ADF. Now, interestingly, years ago, the ADF was funded and in fact started by the Congolese government to attack the Ugandan government. But then this militia switched allegiances to the Islamic State. And after that, they began attacking, well, whoever got in their way. Sadly, they have been quite effective in that reign of terror. In the past six years alone, they've killed about 4,000 people in all. Unfortunately, the ADF is growing stronger this morning, and that is despite coordinated uh, military campaigns by both the Congolese and Ugandan military forces. In fact, the United States and the intelligence community here assesses that the ADF now has greater capacity and lethality as compared to the last 10 years. So let's first ask ourselves, what comes next following this terrible, terrible attack on Friday? And secondly, how does this impact you or the United States? Well, first, what we know is the Congolese and Ugandan government forces are working together to try to hunt down this terror cell that attacked these kids on Friday. The militia members apparently escaped to a place called Virunga National Park. That is a sanctuary for the famous mountain gorillas and other wildlife. But regardless, as those forces try to find those militia members, I will keep you posted. Secondly, let's talk about how this terror attack impacts you and the United States. Well, for that, let me pivot from facts and data to opinion and analysis. So first, I think we should know that the impact on prices for minerals like cobalt and copper that I mentioned earlier, that's probably going to be minimal for now in the short term. But the real threat here is in the medium to long term, because as the ADF grows stronger, right, somebody 
is going to have to fight them. Perhaps that's the Ugandan government or Congolese government, as they have been doing for years now. Maybe it's also the neighboring country of Rwanda. But for my history buffs out there, you all know that those countries that I just mentioned and their tribes have all been fighting each other for hundreds, if not thousands of years. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, the ADF was created by the Congolese government to target the Ugandan government. So that means, folks, that there is a growing chance this morning that it is going to take a new set of outsiders to fix this problem, like and specifically the United States and its military. And it's all because of those minerals, folks. To recap my previous briefs to you on this, this region of Congo, southern Congo, the eastern side of Congo, it is wildly rich in all sorts of minerals that are critical to the so-called green energy revolution. Minerals like lithium and cobalt, copper, tin, and something called tantalum. And that is why, ladies and gentlemen, this region is so important to us. So long as green energy is our energy of choice, then, folks, we got to pay attention to what's going on to this not only region, but also the minerals and why they matter. Now, I'll tell you, if this sounds familiar, that we have to get involved in strange conflicts abroad for energy supplies, yeah, it should. For over 50 years, America and the West have had to send our troops to places like the Middle East when they had all sorts of domestic problems like radical Islam or crazy dictators because we needed their oil. Well, as it turns out, green energy, that's setting us up for the very same problem. And that's really a shame because over the past 20 years, we have become largely in, uh, energy independent following the oil fracking boom that we have seen in places like Texas and New Mexico. But because of the climate change stuff, or at least the allegations of it, we are now trading that energy independence of oil for foreign dependence once again. It's just this time... It's in places like Africa. With that, ladies and gentlemen, let's leave Uganda this morning for some very different news out of Europe. It's about a social issue, and it's one that I generally avoid talking about here on The Right Report. But this connection to Europe, it's pretty important to know. And it has to do with medical care for people who believe themselves to be transgender. As reported by the Wall Street Journal yesterday, at least five European countries, including the UK, Sweden, Finland, Norway, and France, all of those countries have now blocked or deeply restricted medical intervention in kids who believe themselves to be transgender. In fact, the United Kingdom is now limiting the use of puberty blockers to only clinical trials, and that effectively blocks the drugs from ever reaching most of the UK's kids. Now, this is very different than here in the United States and the headlines you may have been seeing lately. In fact, just last week, the American Medical Association and the American Academy of Pediatrics both reiterated their support for minors accessing these same experimental treatments that are being blocked in Europe, claiming that fears about transgender care, well, quote, that does not reflect the research landscape, end quote. In other words, it is full steam ahead for things like puberty blockers and trans surgeries in America because, well, our doctors and scientists say that the science is settled. But in Europe, that's not true. Their doctors and scientists are saying that there are insufficient or non-existent long-term studies on these medicines in kids, or these medicines are actually known to cause grave harm from things like bone degradation to increasing mental illnesses to irreversibly damaging one's fertility. 
at any rate, I have no analysis to offer you on this one. And that's because I think that this speaks for itself. The science, it is very clear, is not settled. We have two very, very different experiences in Europe and in America this morning. And I think that alone offers us all something to reflect on on this Tuesday morning. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. So enjoy this next break, remembering that if you don't hear my voice on these next messages, I don't endorse it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report, folks. I've got one more thing before I let you go. Last week, Cheryl in Newton, Kansas wrote in. She has been hearing on TV that uh, former President Donald Trump might be in trouble, legal trouble, on the issue of declassifying nuclear secrets. Because what Cheryl heard was that while he might be able to declassify some stuff, he cannot declassify nuclear secrets. And she asked me whether that's true. So Cheryl, two things. First, Trump has been charged on concerns related to the Espionage Act, right? Not anything specific to nuclear secrets. But second, let's talk about this nuclear issue since you brought it up, because I too have been seeing this float around in the media. So here's what we know. Amongst the various documents allegedly held by former President Trump at his home in Florida, there was at least one document listed as something called FRD, And that means that it is involving the military's use of nuclear weapons. As you might expect, that is a very big deal, right? Those are some of our most sensitive and closely guarded secrets. Now, to declassify this information, you have to follow something called the Atomic Energy Act, right? By statute, a person who desires to declassify either something called RD or FRD, they've got to involve the Department of Energy and the Department of Defense to legally do so. But that apparently was not done in this case. But this statute of the Atomic Energy Act, that does not necessarily apply to the commander-in-chief. And that's because of a uh, Supreme Court decision called the U.S. Navy versus Egan. We actually discussed it back on June 12th. So if you missed that episode, I definitely recommend you go back and listen to it. But here is the key part of this ruling that we discussed back on the 12th of June. So here it is, quote, the president's authority to classify and control access to information bearing on national security, that flows primarily from this constitutional investment of power in the president. And it exists quite apart from any explicit congressional grant, end quote. So Cheryl, focus on that last part, right? The power of a president to classify or declassify things exists quite apart from any explicit congressional authority or law. Meaning that Congress can legislate whatever they want when it comes to classifying or controlling access to national security information, except when it involves the commander-in-chief. Now, that said, there is a constitutional question here. Some national security lawyers are saying that this Atomic Energy Act can and does apply to even presidents. Well... Who's right? Hmm. The lawyers at the Biden uh, Department of Justice believe that broadly they are right, that yes, congressional statutes, whether it be the Espionage Act or otherwise, well, that applies to a president. But I got to tell you, it does make me wonder, why is the Biden DOJ so willing to go on such, frankly, thin or contested constitutional ice to go after Trump on this? 
right? Does it possibly have to do with Biden running against Trump for the presidency? Hmm. Well, I'll let you judge that one for yourselves. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.